Well, it would help, but that's all right. I can uh, I'll find something else here to preach about. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm just going to try to go from memory from what I had studied this morning. I don't know if I have any notes to, to go off of. But my, uh, my thoughts were running this morning along in, with the thought of today being the last day of the year. And how many of us would change our life if we thought today was the last day of our life? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what would you change if today was the last day of your life? I do feel a little bit... Um, I feel a little bit... self-conscious, in a way, in that a lot of my text was the Sunday school lesson. So, maybe the Lord decided that uh, He would take this message away so that I would preach a little differently than what I had studied for. But with, with today being the last day of the year, we often, we often look at how the last year was lived. We look at mistakes that were maybe made. We look at blessings that were experienced. And we look at things that, um, we, we just look at, look at some of that. I don't know if my, I don't know if I have any service in here or not, but I, Do what? Well, that would be helpful, but I could get my message if I had if I had it, but it disappeared. But just add it on there if you can. Technology is really nice when you're away from home, but sometimes it lets you set. But the thought that I had, the thought that I was wanting to bring out, was that we are living in the last days, even though today is maybe not the last day of the year. The, uh, I mean, the, maybe not be the last day of our life. It is the last day of the year. But aside from that, we are living in the last days. In, uh, in, and because we're living in the last days, there are opportunities that we have that people that le lived in times past do not, did not have. But there's also dangers of things that that we have there's dangers in our life that the people did not have either and in my personal devotions for the last number of weeks I've been going through first and second Timothy and second Timothy chapter 3 it like our Sunday school lesson mentioned was that we are living in perilous times perilous as in difficult times perilous as in dangerous times and that's the, that's the dangerous side of it. But we are living in times of opportunity as well. 
And our, and our opportunity is, uh, I would like to go over some of those opportunities first. So Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, talks about the opportunity that we have of eternal life and grace. Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you, you, us, me, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And in those trespasses and sins we were in, prior to this, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. We walked in the lusts of our flesh. We walked in, we fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Thank you. We, we, we lived that way. We were angry people and we were immoral people and we just lived like we wanted to. At least that should be our testimony. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, or hath quickened us together with Christ. And in parentheses it says, by grace you are saved. That means that this was extended to us even though we didn't deserve it. He gave it to us because he loved us. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show or declare the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And that, then it goes again and it says, For by grace are ye saved. Through faith, God's grace, and you need to have faith. I need to have faith to accept that. And that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You can think on that for a little bit. I'll see if I can get my message to come back here. There we go. Thank you. One, I'd like to write something up here on the board. Uh, I'm assuming these work here. So, there's two kinds of love that I want to write up here. The one on your right is a, is a Greek form of it. Or they're both Greek words, but one is agape love, one is what we call phileo love and agape love agape it has to do with the the choice a mental choice to love it's it's a 
it's more of a head knowledge or a head it's a it's a, a will exercising a will to love and phileo would be more of a of a fondness or a something that is an emotional or a sentiment those are kind of my own words there it's when we say we i just feel so much love for this or that that would be more the the phileo love but if things are difficult and there's a difficult individual or a difficult job and we're just going to love it on purpose that would be agape love but what i just read here when it says god who is rich in mercy for his great love god made a choice to love even though we didn't deserve it maybe god is different than i am but i don't think that he naturally has a is going to feel warm and fuzzy towards something that is ugly dirty and nasty but in his mind he loves or god god loved us because he is god he loved us because he created us he loved us because he made the choice to and that is god One of the, the get kind of backwards here on this, but God has, has done that. The opportunities that we face or that we have today is the gift of grace. We have the grace that God has given us. That we just read about. The gift of grace gives us eternal life. That's the opportunity in this in this last day that we have another opportunity that we have is that the lord will pour out his spirit in joel 2 verse 28 and 29 and also acts 2 verse 17 acts 2 verse 17 is the new testament quotation of the old testament but it's when they were speaking in tongues Peter says, he's quoting here, he says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's an opportunity that we have today because God in his love, his choice, his love, extended that to us so we have that opportunity one thing i was going to mention earlier because of when we have opportunities anytime that we have opportunities anytime that we have blessings which we have many of them but anytime that we do we are more accountable 
than we would be if we did not have them. We're more accountable and responsible. Another opportunity that we have is uh, in Hebrews 1 verse 1, or 1 verse 2, I guess. But verse 1 says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, or various manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now God has given us the written word of God, and he has also given us um, the, the uh, example of Christ and what Christ has done for us. Christ came and rose again and finished that, became the Lamb of God. We have the finished work of, of uh, grace, what, what Christ has done for us. Another opportunity that we have is in John 15, 5, where it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. And then in Romans eleven seventeen, it talks about grafting. And grafting is an interesting process where you take a plant from one um, variety or species and you and attach it to a, a trunk of another species or variety. And Romans eleven seventeen says, If some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, it's talking about Gentiles being brought in and being grafted into the root of Jesse, which would have been, would have been the pure stock, Jewish stock, but Gentiles are grafted in. If thou wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Or just remember that you're a, you were grafted in and you are experiencing the blessing. You're getting the life from the trunk. The trunk is not getting the life from you. Just remember that. That's what it's saying. But now, at home, we had a... Or there was a... Say at home. But there was an orange tree that had a seed. And the seed sprouted in a greenhouse somewhere. And it grew. And it grew, it was about three, I don't know how old this, it was when, they, when it was grafted, but there was a, the orange tree was growing and it had a little sprout on it. And there was also somewhere a thorn tree that was growing. Now in Florida, there's a lot of bugs and there's a lot of disease and there's a lot of whatever around, just things that are harmful to trees. But thorn trees seem to grow well. So a thorn tree, they took the thorn tree and they took this orange 
sprout and they grafted this sp uh, orange sprig into the trunk right above the root. And they let it grow and it grew and grew and at this greenhouse it was it was about three years old maybe and so the tree was I don't know six feet tall four five six feet tall something like that and we bought this tree and we planted it and it grew well it, it did very well that tree grew and it it made some nice oranges the very first year that we had it, it it had a lot of oranges on it but about a year ago when we were coming up here there was it got cold really cold and we knew it was going to get cold when we left so I don't know anything about trees but I decided I didn't want it to get cold didn't want this tree to get frostbite so we put plastic around it and uh, I think the plastic did what it was supposed to do. It didn't get frostbite. But we didn't come home quick enough and it got warm again and the sun cooked it. <laughs> so when we got home, this thing was dead. Really, really dead. And, or we thought it was dead. I had someone take the plastic off, but it didn't get quick enough. And the tree just didn't get any leaves on in the summertime or spring and no leaves well later on we noticed there was some growth coming up again oh good maybe it's coming back well get this it's growing below the graph where the graft is so now we have a nice green tree there it's it's as tall as it ever was but it's all thorns there's no oranges, it's all thorns. Now, that tree, we could say that tree was converted, or the thorn tree was converted when the, when the orange tree was grafted in, right? Because it still had its carnal thorn tree roots, but it had but when, the, when it was bearing oranges, when the thorn tree was, was not bearing and it was only putting, putting all its nutrients into the oranges, then it was good fruit. It was, it was good. There was no thorns on the tree. There were no thorns there and it was, it was good fruit. But when it, but it led through some perilous times, some dangerous times, and it didn't survive. The orange part didn't survive, but the carnal tree came back again. And all of a sudden, we've got a thorn tree, and it's in our yard. And I don't like thorn trees, so sometime we're going to need to take it out. But that's how we can be sometimes. We, we have, uh, we've been grafted into the body of Christ. But sometimes there's things that come along. And maybe it's too cold, or it's too hot, or it's too difficult, or whatever. And the, and the spiritual graft is killed out. And that carnal, spiritually we're dead. But our flesh keeps growing, and it's prickly, and it's, it's got green leaves on it. 
but no fruit. There's no oranges there. And you know, today we are, we've been grafted into the body of Christ, but we are living in the last days. And there's dangers there. There are, there are dangers and, and things. If you would turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm... I'd like to read a couple verses here. Not to say that I can explain it better than what it was done in Sunday school or anything like that. It's simply what I was led to share on this morning, and I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were having, that we were having Sunday school on that. But it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I want to write I want to write something up here before we before we get too far. So we wrote there's a there's a um, there's a number of Greek words that are interesting. those words there but those are all they all have the root word of the phileo the phileo Greek word we have philauto or philauto auto has to do with self and phil has to do with love or the fondness so it would be a fondness of self so I'm going to, let's go back and we'll read, we'll go down and read the verse 2. It says, for men shall be fond of their own selves. They'll be fond of their own selves. We, in English it's translated as lovers of their own selves. And the next one, I don't know how to, fill our something like that. They're going to be fond of their money, is what the next word is, but it's translated as covetous. Now we're going to drop down the other fill word is fill, fill. Edonis, Edonis or something. We get the word hedonism from it. Do you know what that word means? Hedonism? It means pleasure. Whatever, we, whatever feels good or whatever we want to do. Hedonism. But we're fond of pleasure. Fond of pleasure. And fond of God. Philotheos. Theos would be, we get the English word of theocracy from that. God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Those are just it's kind of interesting there. But we have 
Men shall be lovers of their own self. They shall be fond of their own self. They'll be fond of their money. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure, or fond of pleasure, more than fondness for God. And then it says that the people that do that in the last days, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now that fondness, when it, say, when it says the, the phileo love is a feeling that's inside of us. It's not a mental choice that we've necessarily made. It's just what's inside. Now, we can change that with the power of God, God and His Spirit, but it's the, the phileo love is, is kind of a natural fondness that we have or a, a cultivated fondness. There's other phileo words. There's, there's a lover of good men, a lover of virtue, lover of... of uh, Mankind, you know, when it talks about wives loving their husbands, it's using the, the term just love of a fondness for, for your husband or a fondness for man. Philanthropy, the, the English word for philanthropy comes from the a love of mankind or benevolence. So it's, a, it's an emotion. The phileo love is an emotion. But those are things that we can cultivate love and sometimes we need to restrict that but lovers of self is something that we need to restrict when we lovers of silver fondness for money is something that we need to restrict it's a perilous a perilous time or a perilous condition dangerous condition the fondness for pleasure is a dangerous condition and then boasters, it's a, that means a braggart with great swelling words. And I, we, I'm, we're running out of time here, but we're proud. The inflated estimate of one's means or merits. You have a blasphemer, someone who speaks evil, slanderous, or rails on someone or something. We think of a blasphemer often as someone who rails against God or rails against the, the Spirit. But sometimes a blasphemer can be someone who just is abusive um, to people around them, too. It can be. Disobedient to parents. Now, disobedient to parents, there is a, the term is impersuasible or not compliant. Sometimes... We can be disobedient to parents or anyone in authority over us as well. There's an old English word, and I don't, it's called con, contumacious, but it simply means stubbornly or willfully disobedient to authority and sometimes referred to as rebellious. But have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way, and it's a danger that, that we that I'm 
putting out here because it's they're dangerous times that we can all find ourselves in. Sometimes we just want to get away from all the <coughs> restrictions around us. Unthankful. That's very self-explanatory. Ungracious or unpleasing or just unthankful, ungrateful. Unholy, impious, wicked, profane, despising the holy, without natural affection. And that's, that was raised in, that question was raised in Sunday school. But without natural affection, God created us with, with uh, his attributes. As a spirit, or as um, in, in God's image, we desire fellowship with other people. But one form of without natural affection is unsociable. Being unsociable, inhuman, or unloving. Those would be anti-attributes anti of God. And sometimes with our, with our um, perspectives in life or things that have happened to us in life or maybe our faith in other people has been warped to a degree where we develop unsociable characteristics. Or maybe we get our social uh, gratification from synthetic things or man-made things that creates an, an uh, unnatural affection in us. Simply being in, an inhuman, just treating other people as dirt, can also be without natural affection. And we would say, oh, that's other people that do that. But do I ever struggle with, with trampling over other people? Or being unloving or unsociable? I can be very unsociable. I, I'll just tell you, I, I would be just fine with being by myself for a good while. But it's not, it's not a, good, a good trait to have. The next one that we have, or that's listed here, is, called, is truce breakers. And a truce breaker can be someone who breaks a contract or a covenant, or a treaty. Literally, without a treaty or a covenant. Or, it can be someone who is not, cannot be persuaded to enter into a covenant who is implacable. Have you ever known someone who just liked to, to debate and to uh, be hostile towards people? And if someone says, can't we work something out? No. Can't we work? No. We're not going to do it. They're implacable or cannot be placated. That can be classed under that truce breaker concept. Then you have a false accuser. False accuser. The Greek word for false accuser is diabolos or diabolos, which means the devil or Satan. And that simply means prone to slander or accusing falsely or 
a person who slanders or makes personal attacks on others could be a false accuser. And those, that, that is per, pretty serious because that's, this, that's the very word that is used for, to describe Satan. Incontinent is without self-control or intemperate. In, someone that has no self-control is a dangerous person because there's no boundary there. There's nothing there to keep. There's no, there's no curb. There's nothing. They just whatever, whatever they want to do or feel like doing, there's nothing to stop them. Incontinent is, is lack, a lack of self-control. But it also, when it's dangerous when you have an aggressive person or someone with an aggressive personality because it can, it can spill over into other people. In anyone, it's dangerous. But when it's an aggressive personality, the, the fierce, the term fierce, not tame, savage, or savage, when those are coupled together, it becomes very dangerous for other people. But sometimes you have a laid-back individual that doesn't have any self-control, and then it's there's no there's no um, yeah there's no willpower there to, to overcome to even want to overcome anything or to try to overcome. The want to might be there, but the trying is not there. So we are in dangerous times, but I guess with that, parents, if, if you have little children with you, teach discipline. Teach discipline right away. And as we get older, old enough to discipline ourselves, then we need to exercise self-discipline. Because probably none of us are perfect in self-discipline. We probably all are weak in, in the self-control or the temperance department. We probably all have some of that uh, tendency. Despisers of those that are good. When we talk about the phileo thing, the, this word is Aphila, I don't know. It's it's the opposite of being a of being a lover of virtue. It's the opposite of that. It's opposed to virtue, to goodness or good men. The opposite of aphalagathos would be in Titus one eight, where it's talking about the qualifications for an elder. One of the qualifications in Titus 1.8 is a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. That's the that term, a lover of good men. Despisers of those that are good would be the opposite of that. So if somebody just wants to be bad, they would be the opposite of a lover of good men or good people. Traitors would be a, someone who's not loyal. They just go this way and go that way and 
looking to, to lift up themselves at the expense of somebody else, or giving forward into an enemy's hands. Sometimes we can be traitors or disloyal. We would, the, we, the sanitized one would be a disloyal. We can, we can be a little bit disloyal to our friends sometimes. Maybe something is shared with us in confidence and we want to gain some favor over here, so we share some things over here and then we go over here. They, they share some things. We go over here and we share some more things and we're just not loyal to people, but we're looking out for ourselves, but we're not loyal. That would be a traitor. Sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's more because we're heady. And heady is a reckless or a rash individual. The literal term is to fall head first or to be on a dangerous slope. But to be heady is just to be reckless and not care what anybody thinks or any, anything happens. We're just going to let things fall where they go and we're going to run into something that's being heady. And high-minded... These are, some of these are really dangerous if they're all put together. So all by themselves, it's one thing, but if you put them all together, they get really bad. So if you have someone that's reckless and rash, and in, the next one is high-minded, where they're inflated with self-conceit, you've got a little bit of a problem. High-minded is to inflate with self-conceit or to raise a smoke or wrap in a mist. I think that's the literal term, but it simply means to make proud, to puff up, or think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But all of these, the thing that makes it dangerous in the last times is that many people that practice these are people that, ha that we would call Christians. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And the thing that makes it dangerous is that we let our guard down because of other Christians, right? If it's somebody that acts like a heathen, looks like a heathen, and is a heathen, and are, and are not ashamed of, or they just, that's what they are, we, have, we watch for that more. But having the form of godliness... But practicing these dangerous things or wicked things makes, it a makes, us, makes us dangerous or makes it dangerous for us to know to be faithful. But I guess the thing that I'd like to, to, to uh, challenge us with is that we are in the last days, maybe the last day. And it's in their dangerous times, but we can we can control our life. Can we choose intentionally choose to live godly and accept the power that's there that God that Christ gave us? And then do we go on Luke? Let's turn to Luke seventeen, verse twenty-six. Uh, there and I'd like to just jump ahead now we, we've talked about some of the dangerous conditions that are in the world 
And I think in Sunday school it was mentioned this, this morning that that's a, perilous can be difficult. It's difficult to maintain a good conscience in everything. But it's not impossible. But then when we jump ahead, because we're in the last days, we need to also keep in mind that life is going to get into a pattern, a routine. Life will have, will take on what we call a humdrum um, routine. And sometimes it puts us to sleep. You ever been in a vehicle where you're going and it kind of hums a little bit, the tires are humming and it kind of gets, puts you, makes you sleepy? Well, life can be like that too sometimes and we can become spiritually sleepy. Verse 26 of Luke 17, Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So in the last days, when God's, when Christ's church is on earth here, or which we are in, in that time, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be today. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So they had weddings, they had Bible school, they had church every Sunday and every Wednesday, and they had school and they had businesses and the businesses all did well and some of them had issues and it was just normal life. And sometimes we, yeah, it just had joys and sorrows and long-range planning and short-range planning and bankruptcies well not bankruptcies I hope but we had lots of just normal life and it was the same way in the days of Lot they did eat and they drank they bought they sold they planted they builded but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and when Lot went out of Sodom, it was difficult for him because they worked so hard and they had built this thing. They built their business up so big and they had good social life and Lot's wife was having a good time and she had all her friends there and Lot did too. And Lot's children didn't go with him except two daughters and his wife. Anyway, but that same day that they went out, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, all the people in Sodom. And even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It would be the same way. We have all our relationships, all our friends, all our um, collection of things that we've collected will all be destroyed in the day when the Son of Man comes. In that day he which shall be on the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not run back and get it. Remember Lot's wife. She was worried about her things, and she wanted to see what was happening to him, and she didn't, wasn't able to turn around again. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. 
I think it's just saying that it's going to happen so fast, you have to prepare ahead of time or you won't have time to fix anything. You won't have time to fix anything and you won't have time to take anything. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. And it's going to be in the last day, it will be the ones who are ready to go. And so, if today was the last of the last days, if today was the last day of the last days, would I be ready? Would I be ready? Would you be ready? Now, when Christ, we have God's word right here, and it gives us instruction, and it gives us, we can understand what, what it takes to be ready. But God doesn't want us to just sit down and, and, and wait, twiddle our thumbs and wait, but we need to make the preparation and then go about our work ready to go. That's why we be, need to be either in the field or grinding or sleeping or whatever it is. Just be ready at whatever time he comes, then we can be ready to go. So if today was the last of the last days, would you be ready? Let's kneel for prayer.